Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for an episode we are so excited for, but more excited for something else that we're going to get through this pretty quickly, <laughs> because we're here to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home without spoilers, which is going to very much limit us, so stay tuned because we will soon have a Spider-Man spoiler review coming that's going to be so much more exciting, uh, but we'll fumble our way through this and try to give away the 10 minutes of this movie that we're going to be allowed to talk about. <laughs> um, but I'm excited regardless, uh, because we have not shared our feelings on seeing this within the last 24 hours, 36 hours, I think for you, something like that. Um, my name is Colin and are you going to podcast as cool youth pastor or <laughs> spoiler? Uh, <laughs> And my name is Ben, and I generally don't go around advertising it. Kind of defeats the whole podcast host thing. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a challenge. Um, let's. <laughs> How let's do we do a spoiler? Like, I thought I, No Time to Die would have been hard enough for you guys, and I listened to that. You got an hour out of a good job, <laughs> but like, I mean, how the fuck can we do this without spoiling anything? Well, I mean, I think almost saying spoiler free is going to, uh, or saying we're struggling with spoiler free is going to. In some people's minds, give some things away. Well, let, let's try it like this. We'll give a basic opinion on the movie without saying anything. And then we'll talk about maybe some of the few things we've seen in trailers and how it plays out. Um, this, yeah. I mean, there's one thing I want to say, but I kind of want to save it to the spoiler one because I feel it adds to it more. So there's, there's, a, there's a whole thing around the scene of this film, which I want to talk about, but I'll, I'll, I'll do that in the spoiler one. So listen to our spoiler one. Um, yeah. I love this movie. I thought it was uh, I thought it was great. I really did. And I'm the one who, whenever we've done an MCU film recently, I've just been like, eh, it's an MCU film. Eh, it's an MCU film. I actually went into this and I watched the review like the night before I saw it. And I was like, oh, do I really want to? But it said spoiler free. And in all fairness, it was a very well-crafted spoiler free review. I think it was the IGN one. And they kind of described it as a classic Saturday morning cartoon. And I'm, mm. I'm like, yep, yep. I get that. And I think what I really appreciate about this film is that, you know, you and I talked a little bit during the week about how the in rewatching the MCU Spider-Man films, it, it does feel like you've basically been dropped into episode seven of season three of the MCU. And it's kind of, mm -hmm. you can kind of enjoy it, but I still feel just with everything, it kind of takes away from it. This one, like, I feel the opening, you know, because it what, picks straight up after Far From Home. So, like, basically the opening scene is the end of Far From Home. And then from that point on, you kind of, you get all that stuff over and done with. And for, to me, for the rest of it, it just it almost felt like the most standalone MCU film I maybe have ever seen. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, the Doctor Strange stuff 
connects to it. There's some lines here and there, and ultimately the post credit scene connects to it as well. But I don't know. Like, I feel this is definitely a film that anybody who's seen any of the Spider-Man films can just get into it and enjoy it. And, yeah, I would argue that knowledge of the previous Spider-Man films is maybe needed uh, because they don't go out of their way to explain a lot when it comes to, you know, like the villains returning and what their motives are and what they've done and stuff like that. But outside of that, long-winded answer, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I really, really did. Um, You know, it's up there maybe with No Time to Die for me is my favourite film I've seen this year. And I'm just going to spoil this right now. Maybe my number one MCU film. This might have superseded Ant-Man. I, I just, again, this is based on a 36 hour, like I watch it twice. Maybe I don't like it as much. I, I mean, there are definitely problems with it. I can nitpick in, in it. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I just, I haven't had a cinema experience like this since No Time to Die, which was the last film I saw at the movies, but it was still a, an epic film. Uh, I think we're going to agree on almost everything here because you pretty much <laughs> stole my thunder there. I was going to say everything that you just said. Um, what, what, what can I add? Uh, okay. So first of all, even the spoiler-free reviews that are out there, you know, are saying the same thing. You know, this is fan service, which has oh, just become yeah. the new thing. Fan service done right. Can I interrupt you there? Like, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, watch <laughs> this film as to how you do fan service. And I'm not trying to do that to spoil anything or whatever. It's more of a case of this literally is fan service, but, like, you you leave with a smile on your face, not with a, oh, God, they really had to give Chewie his medal. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, that was annoying. It was too much. But anyway, sorry. So stealing my thunder again. I was literally Sorry. about to say, this is fan service <laughs> done right. Oh, shut up. Um, I mean, all I could think of when I left this movie is the Star Wars sequels tried something. You can kind of please fans, but then you walk away from me like as a movie, this doesn't work. Same feelings. I never got to do a review on it, but Ghostbusters Afterlife, you know, I enjoyed that movie for the most part, but it was like fan service done wrong. Uh Ghostbusters, Star Wars attempted something, failed, this succeeded. And somehow, I think the reason they succeeded is because this feels like a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie still. Whereas the Star Wars sequels became so much about let's please those old fans that the new characters don't get to shine. Same thing with the Ghostbusters Afterlife. I mean, when they're dealing with the new characters, okay, it's their own movie, but then everybody gets pushed to the back burner and it just becomes, you know, let's pay tribute to the classic movies. This was Tom Holland's movie. And that was the thing we were most mm. worried about because for, for whatever weird, weird reason, Spider-Man Homecoming did not feel like it was Tom Holland's movie. It, yes, it was, but he didn't get any real drama or character depth to deal with. And then Far From Home, even less so. It's so funny when Jamie and I just rewatched Far From Home, both of our thoughts were, and her having never seen the movie before, not even giving any of my opinions, she's like, I don't feel like this was a Spider-Man movie. It's like an Iron Man Jr. Iron Man is dead and Iron Man is a bigger part of Spider-Man movie than Spider-Man is. Mm -hmm. This is Tom Holland's movie. And yet, even though he's sharing the screen with so many of the other, you know, characters that we've seen in the trailers and maybe some that we haven't, we don't know. And Doctor Strange on top of that, he got to have his own movie and nothing took away from him. And I think that's what really works compared to, uh, the Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, or Ghostbusters Afterlife, or so many of these other movies that are just, you know, pandering to the uh, the, the classic fans of a franchise. Uh, this actually took a step forward. And when we get to the spoiler review, I think that one of the things that works the most about it is going to be the ending, which we won't give any spoilers here. But this movie ends in a way where you're like, they actually finally have a fresh start. Like, I feel like 
Marvel by bringing Spider-Man in in um, Civil War, they tied their hands up where they're like, we did so many things here that aren't going to work in a standalone movie. So we need to find a way to make a standalone movie. Here they found a way to make it work. And they also found a way to give us enough of all those characters we've seen in the trailer. Doc Ock, Green Goblin, uh, whoever else we saw in the trailers. It just works. And even the... Spider-Man, yeah. Hey, Tom Holland's actually, we, we'll give one spoiler away, okay? The one thing that people weren't sure about from all the promotion, Tom Holland is in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is he part is. of this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but everything works in this, and it is just a blast. It is not, there are plot holes galore. But oh, you hell walk yeah. away not, I, I saw this with Jamie and my two of my nephews, and my I was saying, yeah, there's a ton of plot holes. I'm like, there are, but I don't care. Like, that's what we all said. We don't care that there's plot holes. We went through the Sam Raimi movies, the Andrew Garfield movies, plot holes in those movies. We didn't care. We're finally at the point where we just don't care about the plot holes here because they just made it fun. Which, I mean, it's, I think, a, a similar feeling to No Time to Die. We've picked, mm-hmm. point, picked part so many plot holes in No Time to Die, but for the most part, we've all thoroughly enjoyed that to the point where it's like we don't really give a shit. Um, and, like... We're maybe hypocrites here on the Oz Network because all we do is point out plot holes. But, like, again, I think you can have a movie and enjoy Like, Batman and Robin, it's a shit mm. film, but we can enjoy it for what it is. It makes yeah. no sense. It's <laughs> stupid. But it, you can still enjoy a stupid movie. I like Die Another Day. I can still enjoy it. But I can see why Colin doesn't enjoy it. I'm not saying this movie is a Die Another Day. It's not. I mean, for the most part, this movie has been highly acclaimed i'm I'm not seeing anything negative about this movie and yeah the the only negativities are probably the plot holes that we can point out but i mean this is a what a two hour 40 minute long film similar to no time to die you don't feel it's that long it just breezes by Mm -hmm. i've seen some people criticize that the first hour is a bit slow i wouldn't even say that i think kind of the first hour is there to just set up some semblance of a plot and then kind of just it's a blast from the rest of it um and yeah, it's, I, I like what you say about Tom Holland because I rewatched all the Spider-Man films. Um, I think, as we mentioned in the the best of the Spider-Man clips a week ago, I I managed to also watch uh, Into the Spider-Verse and even both the Venom films. And I mean, they're a blast. All all the Spider, even Amazing Spider-Man Two, which was my least favorite, I'm still like like still an enjoyable film. I've kind of improved on it a little bit. And even though I'm maybe a bit more down on the MCU films, it. I don't really think, and you're going to disagree with this because I know you hate Spider-Man 3, but, like, there's really a bad film in the Spider-Man cinematic universe. Now there's, what, 11 films. I'm not including, including like, Civil War and Avengers and stuff like that. But, I mean, you'd put Spider-Man 3 on over some other movies from other franchises. I'm sure you'd watch Spider-Man 3 over maybe 10 MCU films, wouldn't you? Like, uh, I don't know about ten, but a couple of them—a handful I mean, of MCU films, like Spider-Man Three. Regardless of it being an embarrassment of a movie, it, it, it at least is—it has some of that. It's so bad, it's good quality to it. Yeah. So I'll say that to it. Yeah, it's yeah. And one thing, like with Tom Holland, he's like he's not my favorite Spider-Man. Um, he, I've said he's maybe the most complete Spider-Man, but I think a big issue I had in rewatching the MCU films is they just were too comedic. Like it's just almost like they mm-hmm. went too far in the comedy, and I'm like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Whereas this film, yeah, it's funny. Like I had some genuine laugh out loud moments in it, but like I feel they kind of scaled it back a bit on the MCU comedy. And I don't know if, like, 
I've only seen like Endgame once and Infinity War once, and I haven't watched them in, since they've come out. So like, I can't remember like the darkness involved in that. But I feel like this is almost one of the darkest MCU films I've seen, mm-hmm. mixed with the comedy, and it just it works. Like people said, Eternals was a very DCEU film. I kind of want to say this is almost a bit DCEU-ish with oh, some yeah. of what they do with the comedy mixed with the darkness. There are moments in this film where you will cry, um, and it just serves it so well. And, yeah, Tom Holland is great in this film, and I, I like that, that you point out this is a Tom Holland Spider-Man film. And now that you point that out, yeah, I, I would agree with that, which is hard to fathom given who he's dealing with in this film. Like, And I'm not saying like it's a bad thing, but, like, Everyone knows that, you know, Willem Dafoe, uh, Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx are in this film. I mean, for fuck's sake, they are their stars in their own right in their own Spider-Man films. You think about Spider-Man 1, it's Willem Dafoe and Tobey Maguire's movie. You think about Spider-Man 2, it's Alfred Molina. Like, you think about even The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with all the stuff that happens there. You remember that because of Jamie Foxx in that film. So, yeah, I mean, it's no mean feat for Tom Holland to do that. But, um, yeah, just such a barrel of fun. It's it's the drama that really separates this from a lot of the other MCU movies because they try to get into drama, but you, you just don't care. And I think that there's so much with these movies that have to be interconnected yeah. that it it steals from the characters, their own individual stories. And what really yeah. was missing, even in Homecoming, and I'll say, I still enjoy, I really enjoy Homecoming, but it is missing that Peter Parker means something, you know? It's missing. This is important to Peter Parker's character development. There is essentially zero character development from Civil War to the beginning of No Way Home. Uh, Because what does he have to deal with? Everything he has to deal with is, oh, I need to stop this villain. That's one thing I will say I appreciate with Sam Raimi is Sam Raimi always said with the villains he picked for his movies that the villains couldn't just be there to be villains. They had to be there to add something to Peter Parker's development as a character. You needed Green Goblin to to be that character that would A, force him to become a hero, but also fill that void of, oh, I I don't have a father, right? And then with Doc Ock, it was the whole mentor thing. And then the the fact that Doc Ock is, you know, dealing with this power that he got, but it's gone to his head, whereas Peter Parker is a more grounded one. Sandman, you have to add to, (laughs) it's not done well, but, oh, well, now we have to have him about the whole revenge thing, which I really love the way that this movie plays into. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, even Tom Holland's story is kind of a play on that whole, well, are you going to go on the whole revenge thing? Uh, the Andrew Garfield movies did it, even though I'm not crazy about any of the villains that we had in the Andrew Garfield movies, they are they exist for Peter Parker's story to be told. Vulture doesn't do anything other than give him a villain a fight. Mysterio doesn't give him anything other than a villain a fight. They found a way to make, even without the villains, found a way to make Peter Parker have a story. And we'll, we'll get into the spoiler one, some serious dramatic scenes he has. What what I was excited about Tom Holland joining the MCU in the first place was because he was a great, even as a child, he was an incredible dramatic actor. Mm. And they have not given him one moment of drama in these movies. And they give him tons in this. And that's what makes this different from the we're too funny for our own good MCU movies because we have gotten to that point where they've just all become comedies and we need some of that drama again. And this is, I feel like this is the movie outside of Endgame, which is sort of its own thing that finally did it right. Because they said, we're going to take this character and these movies a little bit more seriously. Was it was the, um, that tsunami movie was called the impossible, right? Impossible. Um, yeah. He was great in that. Um, yeah, I agree with you. And I think the thing that I appreciate about uh, the Peter Parker character in this movie in Spider-Man is, I mean, it's a Spider-Man movie. For once, I feel like you actually see him as Spider-Man a lot more, but Peter Parker's kind of inept in this movie. Like 
one thing I got like the first hour, I'm like, what are you doing, Peter? Like, like you're fucking this up. This is all on you, buddy. Um, like I'm just like the the whole sequence, like from the trailer where you see sort of like Spider Man versus Doctor Strange. Like I'm like like dude, like this is on you. Like what are you doing? Uh, but then it kind of that builds into the story, and like you're right, like it sort of it builds me because what do we see in the other MCU films? It's like yeah, we don't need another origin story of him getting bitten by a spider and Uncle Ben dies. Like, we, we've seen it twice before in the last decade, essentially. So I like how you just drop him straight into he's already that. But everything about him is kind of like, oh, I want to be an Avenger. No, I don't. Okay, I'm an Avenger now. Oh, yeah, but now I better go back to Earth. And oh, I need to go on a holiday now. Whatever. It's kind of like, <laughs> like that's why they never felt like full on spider. And I, I still argue in Homecoming and, and Far From Home, you, you barely see him as Spider-Man. Like it's all about yeah. him as Peter Parker. Whereas this is, it balances it well. And like, just even sort of like the closing scene, uh, sort of like an apartment, apartment is involved. It just, it feels very grown up and you're kind of like, okay mm-hmm. now. And like, it, it, it's almost like, you're back to the beginning of Spider-Man, well, sort of the ending of well, the beginning of Spider-Man 2, really, I should say. Um, and then, like, it's, I feel it's like where we were going to go with the Andrew Garfield ones. So mm-hmm. um, I think, and, like, the one thing that I was always kind of intrigued about is, like, I'm, I'm a bit of a contradictory opinion person on this. Is like, I like things to be connected. I like interconnectivity and continuity between movies and franchises. But the MCU, to me, goes too far in the mm-hmm. fact that, I've only seen, I'm not saying it's all about me. Of course, it's always about me. But, like, I've only seen these a lot, the majority of these movies once, and I will probably never rewatch them again. They're not to me. It's not my franchise where I'm going to do this. I can sit down and watch 25 Bond films easily. I can watch, what, like 12 DCEU films easily, kind of get through them and get connected to them. Whereas the MCU, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to sit through Captain Marvel and Black Panther again if I absolutely have to. But... Like, this is where, so the DCEU, I think, has kind of got the balance right now because they started going all out, like, everything has to be connected to, like, MCU, but now they're kind of like, well, no, let's just make these films all standalone, but they're all connected in the same universe. Mm-hmm. And this is where I thought the multiverse kind of intrigued me because, like, not only can you do something different in the MCU and these other franchises, but then you can kind of have this really smart way of connecting films that have come before it because... If anybody wants to be like, oh, I want to watch Spider-Man. Oh, which version do you want to watch? It's like, well, you know, it's confusing, right? And then, like, they they handle that so well. And I loved how they do that. And it's not overly explained. It's kind of done in a way where you're like, it's kind of dumb, but I buy it. I like it. <laughs> and, like, and that's what I so hope they do with the Flash movie next year with, like, the rumours of, like, Michael Keaton coming back and kind of this and, like, Ben Affleck, like, connect all the Batmans. Like, if they could do something like this, bring back villains and do all that sort of stuff. It's just smart. And it just mm-hmm. it makes it puts a smile on my face now, knowing that I can go watch Spider Man, the the Tobey Maguire ones, the Andrew Garfield ones, and be like, these are all kind of weirdly connected in a weird way. Like it kind of it it works, but they're also separate in their own way. So yeah, you, you know it's interesting because as I was watching the movie, I, I remembered all the stuff that's happened since we saw that final post credit scene in Far From Home. Behind the scenes, there mm. was the okay. Now we're developing, you know, um, Spider-Man Home Part Three. But then Sony's like, okay, no, we're this may not work out because Marvel. Of course, everybody wants to take Marvel's side on everything, but basically, let's 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 run it down here. Marvel said to Sony, "We want a 50-50 share of the profits, but we're not going to put up any of the money to finance these movies." <laughs> <laughs> and Sony said, "No, we're not doing that. So let's pull out of the deal." So for a few weeks there, or it might even be longer, maybe in a few months, I mean, prior to that, they were probably preparing for this. Sony was 
having to think now we got to make a movie that is not you know part of the MCU. Uh, but prior to that, they were making it. So I really feel like the two stories we have here, the story of Peter Parker now has to deal with the fact that everybody knows he's Spider-Man. That's really that slow first hour that a lot of people might be referring to, which I liked. Um, mm, I having too. said that, that's one plot hole we can actually talk about because it really makes no sense that like this would be a big deal because Spider-Man is the only superhero in the MCU that people don't know who he is yeah, really. I mean, that's very I think- true. Ant-Man, they don't, but like everybody else, they know who Tony Stark is. They know who Steve Rogers is. They know who um, uh, Dr. Stephen Strange is. This should not be a big deal. So that's where having this be part of the MCU, that doesn't quite work. But that was, you could tell the original idea. You know that this whole, you know, multiverse thing, not, not the idea of multiverse. Marvel's obviously planned that, but let's bring back all the old Sony favorites from Andrew Garfield movies, from Tobey Maguire movies. That was Sony's backup plan to, well, we can't do the MCU thing now. So these two different ideas for a Spider-Man movie should not work together, but they actually work together. Like this is a movie that is almost too big for its own good. And there's no reason it should work, but it does. And I think that even though it is a massive plot hole, the the world not knowing Spider-Man, I liked it because this is what I want more of in these movies. Mm -hmm. I don't want every character to just be known, you know, Everybody loves that ending of the first Iron Man movie where he just spontaneously announces in the final moment of Iron Man, I am Iron Man, because you didn't see it coming. But now it's just become a point where you just see it coming. Oh, of course, everybody's going to know who they are. And that's actually the reason why the Tom Hall movies have had no real drama, because you have Ned find out that he's Peter Parker and they handle that okay for the first movie because he's the only person who finds out. Then you finish the movie with Aunt May finding out, but you're cut off and you come back to the next movie and you don't get to explore that. You don't get, there are moments in this where Tom Holland mentions how difficult it was when Aunt May found out, but we jump into the next movie and she's okay with it and she's using him for her own benefit. You know, it's weird. And then the MJ finding out in Far From Home is such a throwaway thing, but you could have done real drama with that. Oh yeah, I know you're Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Let's yeah. go from here. All right. <laughs> like there is nothing there, but in this movie, you're finally able to get down to, he is the one superhero who has a secret identity. And that's part of this movie. Why would it be more difficult for a child than it would for an adult? Because they have to go to school still, you know, they have to apply for colleges and that should never work in this movie, but somehow it does work. I agree with that completely. And I think that's one thing that the MCU Spider-Mans do better is making the age of him younger so that we really, and that's why I think so many people relate to Spider-Man because a lot of the audiences of comic books are teenagers. So therefore you're going to relate to them. And I think that in the Sam Raimi trilogy, you kind of done and dusted with him being a teenager in the first half of the first one, Andrew Garfield's, yeah, he's what well, he graduates high school in the second one, and that's kind of done and dusted with. You don't really deal with the teenage aspects of things, whereas the MCU ones do it very well. And I agree with that. I think that like the first half of them just trying to get into college, you know, it's kind of like, okay, that's it's it's that simple. Uh, you know. Um, and it kind of it affects him and stuff like that. And yeah, I think that, that yeah, I, I do that's a good point too you make about all the superheroes being known because in listening to our Spider Man episodes 
you know, we talked a lot about how in the original trilogy, like the whole secret identity thing is like a whole big thing, right? Like, I mean, MJ doesn't find out until right at the very end of the second one, and that was like a big deal back in 2004 because mm-hmm. you never had superheroes reveal their identities in movies before at that point. And you're like, wow. Whereas nowadays it's just it's it's expected. Like Andrew Garfield, the, the two amazing Spider-Mans, kind of did away with that pretty quickly. Like, Dennis Leary! And, like, everyone found out in the first one. <laughs> Whereas you know, obviously, in the back in the day, back in the day of the, those ones, it was different. So, um, yeah, it's. I mean, that's what. That's, but that's what's so good about this film is that, yeah, there are issues. There, are, this isn't a perfect film, but like, it's still. Again, going back to our point, you can kind of excuse him. Like, I do not like Zendaya, and she still annoys me in this film. But she's not on the level of like. I know you don't like Natalie Portman, and I don't know if you physically feel uncomfortable watching that. You probably do. But, like, <laughs> I mean, you, you physically feel uncomfortable watching Madonna, so there's somebody for you. Like, I don't like Zendaya, and I think she's overrated, but I can still watch this and kind of get something out of it. I, controversial opinion, I don't think her and um, Andrew, uh, Andrew Garfield... Um, what's what's his... Tom oh, Holland, thank you, Ben. Um <laughs> Think of the Amazing Spider-Man. I don't think they have amazing chemistry. And I know they're together in real life now, so that kind of, you know, whatever. But I just never get this insane level of chemistry that I got between Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst and Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. I don't mm-hmm. get it between these two. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the original point I'm, I'm rambling. I'm just I'm just excited to get I was, the spoiler one. <laughs> yeah, I'm really the only other thing I want to talk about was you kind of, uh, you know, beat me to the punch there is the other characters, what they've yeah. done well with them in this movie compared to the last ones. Because uh, I have the exact same opinion as you do. It's bizarre that they're a couple in real life and yet they don't seem to click on camera the same way. And I'm not saying they have zero chemistry, but it's just when you're coming off of Tom McGuire and Kirsten Dunst and you're coming off of, especially Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, like rewatching those movies, I'm going to say that holds up there as some of the best on-screen chemistry oh, any male down. and female have ever had. Uh, it's it's it. incredible. Uh, so maybe we're spoiled with those, but it's just, it could be something with the script because y- you had mentioned to me, uh, I think a day or two ago, um, uh, about the Liz character in Homecoming. You're, you said, what's the point of her? And really the only thing I've been able to come up with is that she existed in that movie only so they didn't spoil this is Mary Jane or the version of Mary Jane because they wanted that. No, I'm MJ. You go into a movie, if you have just Zendaya as the female lead, even if there's no love story, if she has the exact same amount of screen time, same character, you're going to suspect that she's supposed to be Mary Jane. Having Mm. a completely separate character in there was there to fool you. But that robbed them of developing a relationship with these characters because then we start far from home and he's already got a thing for her, but you don't know why because they had no connection in the first movie. And then she just throws out this, oh yeah, I know you're Spider-Man. They kind of just ruin the love story part of this in the second movie. And because this starts immediately where Far From Home finishes, you don't get to develop that at all. But they finally near the end of this movie do something right story-wise with these characters where i feel like when we get to yeah. a fourth movie maybe they'll have a little bit to there's do a, together. there's a scene between these two which i mean is amazing it, it really is it's one of the most emotional kind of like i guess pairing up scenes in, in all of these movies um i i wanted to just add quickly i mean it's not a spoiler we know jamie fox is in this movie of the ones that we can talk about um ultimately everyone knows that willem defoe and alfred molina in it too i like I weirdly feel that Jamie Foxx gets the most development. Like, I kind of feel that, like, he goes from what he is in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 to having a bit more to him. Like, yeah. Like, I feel kind of a bit shortchanged on uh, Dr. Octopus um, a little bit. 
Uh, and then Norman's great, but then there's issues I have with Norman in it. But like I don't know, like I don't know if you got that with with Jamie Fox because like, there was cons- kind of some stuff with him that I, I really like. None of them have aged, by the way. I mean, I think maybe they might have used some de aging technology on on uh, Doc Ock at the beginning. But like when you see them kind of normal, I think they still look fantastic. Um, I actually really liked um, Happy in this movie. I, I don't know, yeah. like there was just something about because again, like. Happy's always a bit of a silly character, but there's some serious stuff with him in this movie, which I actually really liked. Uh, mm-hmm. Ned is fantastic as well. Ned gets sort of more stuff too. And, I mean, let's just say, I mean, he's not as big a part of this movie as you maybe think he's going to be, but Benedict Cumberbatch is always amazing. At yeah. one point I'm watching this going, like, how many British people are on screen right now pretending <laughs> to be American? <laughs> like, this is just like, why can't they just make these people British? Like, is it just <laughs> this, this, I love how they're so like, oh, like, no. Spider-Man can't be British because he's American. It's like, well, you can make him black in the Spider-Verse, so, like, wh- why can't you all of a sudden just make him with a British accent? Like, people are so like, oh, yeah, you can make them black, you can make them women, you can make them... Better, but don't change their accent. <laughs> uh, I, one person you left out that I really want to talk about is Marissa Tomei, Aunt May. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I should mention her. She's great. I mean, she's... We, they, they did not do her right in any of the movies prior to this. I mean, she was... Uh, an afterthought. They were never quite sure whether they're going, let's have everybody, you know, uh, talk about her being the hot aunt, but that's her only plot point. She has stuff to do in this movie. Even before there's a big scene that she gets where we finally get an Aunt May scene, I feel like. Uh, I felt like they just got her right finally. Yeah. And Academy Award even, winner Marissa Tomei. She finally yeah, gets to show why she won one. <laughs> yeah, finally. It's taken her 30 years to <laughs> uh, convince people why she was, should be an Oscar winner. Uh, but, I mean, she's fantastic in this movie. Uh, with Ned, I mean, the middle section of the movie where Ned and MJ are just sort of the helpers, they do kind of get lost in the shuffle, but it's that early stuff and the later stuff because they get their character development is tied into Peter's, which I also think works because – they have not had anything to do prior to this movie. What What is MJ's purpose? We yeah. have, as much as we complain about Mary Jane in the, the Tobey Maguire movies, she has stuff going on. She's struggling, yeah. you know? Uh, Emma Stone, you know, she has her whole college thing and um, uh, the relationship with her dad. These characters have nothing other than they are the guys and girl in the chair, as these movies constantly remind us. And they're given stuff, even in the first act of this movie, that makes you care about them. And that's why, as much as I still enjoy Homecoming as a movie, this movie makes me drop Homecoming down a couple of notches because they haven't done anything with any of these characters, including Peter Parker. But this movie just cares about, let's give these characters something to do. Let's give these characters some development. Let's make the audience care about these characters. I I completely agree. I think that's a great point. And one thing I just want to add on the final member of the cast that I think we can talk about um, controversial opinion. Uh, I love J.K. Simmons. I love J. Jonah Jameson. But I kind of didn't like what they did with him in this movie. They kind of made him more of like just a downright villain. And I just kind of, I think you lose that kind of flamboyance and energy that we got in the Sam Raimi trilogy. Whereas this time around, he just he's just kind of there yelling and just doing this. And, oh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Like, I know he's doing that evil. But, like... Like, it takes away from the level where you had in, like, the Sam Raimi movies of where he's kind of like, uh, which pill? Not that one. Not that one. Uh, uh. And it's like, your wife lost your checkbook. Oh, that's great news. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you felt that way. I'm not saying he's a bad, like, he's. I know it's in a different universe technically, but, I mean, I don't know. There was just something about him where he's not in it as much as I thought he was going to be, but he's still in it enough where I'm just like, 
eh, they just kind of just made him downright evil all of a sudden. It just took away from something for me. Like, I agree in Donald Graham. I mean, every time he's on screen, I still love it because he's J.K. Simmons. And, but I would have liked, uh, if, if you're going to use any character for comic relief, use him. I don't think yeah. we need some of those things that uh, even, you know, diehard fans are complaining about the Scooby-Doo lines in the trailer and the let's laugh at Otto Octavius as a name line. Like, you didn't need the humor with those characters. You needed some humor with J. Jonah Jameson. But I like that they made him a little bit more villainous, but I just wish that it mattered in this movie. Because if there's one thing, if there's one character that you never really get a reason for a purpose for it, 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 it's not like J. Jonah Jameson needs a reason or purpose, but even in the other movies with only one or two scenes in the Tobey Maguire movies, he has, there's a reason for him doing that. You know, he'll give this, he's just the guy on camera ranting and raving about Spider-Man. And that was the thing we were so excited about. We have to remember Nobody knew about this whole multiverse thing when Far From Home ended. We just knew J. Jonah Jameson's back and he just spoiled Spider-Man's identity. So give us a reason why. Give us a little bit more to do with him. Don't just have him be a talking head on screen. Like we want want something from him to explain. Tie him into the plot, you know? Uh, I feel like they decided to go in a different direction uh, when they realize, oh, we can get these other actors back. We have we have an excuse to get them back now. They decide to go in that direction. And then it was at the last minute, they're like, wait, we got to find something for J. Jonah Jameson to do in here. Maybe in the next one, again, we're going to have more to do. I mean, I guarantee when you see the end of this, you realize you're going to have more to do. But uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed seeing him on screen, but I, I don't feel like he added anything to this movie. I think that's the big problem. Yeah, um, but I'd agree with we've that. got what only spoilers to talk about still. Do we want to yeah. give, we give away a review? I'm I am hundred percent buying it. this movie. Yeah, and I'm with you. Like, <laughs> it's this and No Time to Die for me. And both movies, I was very nervous about. I was very hesitant whether I, I was excited for them. These are the two movies I've been most excited about this year. But I wasn't convinced I was going to love either of them. And I love both those movies. And it's it's going to be hard for me to pick one of these movies at the end of the year for which was my favorite. I, I'm already wanting to run out and go see no way home again uh because there's a lot to digest but it's also just like no time to die it's not just the big things they do in this movie that make it so important it's just the fact that it's fun and i'm glad that movies are finally getting fun again which we have to say that maybe we're going to be blown away by how good the matrix uh resurrections is who knows oh, Gotta say, i saw not. that the trailer <laughs> on the big screen for the first time and i was like okay and like i'm i'm starting to get that trailer where they play that song that um Thank Alice for whatever that song is that they play. It kind of it makes it epic when you see it on the big screen. So got a little bit more excited for the Matrix coming out, but uh, yeah, but no. Bring on the spoiler review, God! I just Colin yes. and I actually haven't even talked about any. Like this is literally like a No Time to Die thing we did on Double R Seven Download Now, where we didn't say any of our opinions at all. Colin literally sent me a message going, "So I think that the spoiler free one will be quite short compared to the spoiler <laughs> one." I'm like, "Yes." So then, like, even off air when we have a little conversation, we didn't really talk about it. So like, press record. What are we thinking about it? So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Are we are we going to release these episodes back to back? Are we going to? Yeah, I'm releasing them like right, right same time. So like the spoiler, the spoiler one is available right now at the same time as the spoiler one. So spoiler Good, free, spoiler at the same time. Yeah. We don't want to wait, so you don't have to either. So shut this garbage off if you've seen the movie. Shut this garbage off and go listen to the spoiler one because uh, that's what we're excited to talk about. Um, let's just get to it now. <laughs> no time to waste. No, no, <laughs> no way to not spoil. Daniel Craig is the new Spider Man. Oh shit, sorry. Oh, and he died in this. Why did they kill Daniel Craig in Spider-Man No Way Home? Uh, My name is Colin and bring on the spoilers.
and my name is Ben, and yes, my spider lord. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.